And so what did they do? They partook of the tree, sin and brokenness came into the world. Their eyes were broken, but not in a good way. And God removed them from His presence because He, at the time He would come and be with them personally, He removed them from the from the presence. But that wasn't the end of the story for you guys. He had a redemptive plan. And so as the enemy was cast out of heaven because of pride, Jesus left heaven in humility and became one of them. On a rescue mission, the greatest rescue mission of all time. The, the enemy was kicked out of heaven because of pride, Jesus left up with heaven in humility. And so throughout Christian from that time, you have this this battle, this tension of pride and humility, pride and humility, and all three pride woven into the The people of God is there, you know, they have to you know, follow my name, and you send the prophets at the time, before Christ could be sent the prophets, and prophets would speak on behalf of God, come back to God, follow God, do it God's way. And people lived there, they would put it on this wall, first of all, they would be the they would follow God kings, and then they would disobey, and they would then they would godly kings, and then they were godless kings, and all throughout Israel's history, the people of God, you see the tension between God and humility, because the time when they disobeyed, and the time when they were going to sin, the time that they were having peace because of that sin, what did they do? They rejected God, and said, we can do a better job. We'll be God. And so that was this tension that was coming out. Then you get into the New Testament, Jesus comes, but the tension with God doesn't change. He comes in a redemptive way, and then we still continually fight them that in our country. That we have to fight against separate lines and fight against God and humble ourselves before God for the sin of God. So today we're going to dig deeper into this topic of humility, talking specifically about submitting ourselves to God, submitting to God. And that's kind of the faith problem is, is, is again, the people of Israel, our problem, all of sin's problem is that we refuse to completely submit to God and His Lord to blame Him be Lord, Savior, Master of my life. He's on the throne, He's in the driver's seat, and all the other cool metaphors that you can think of. Uh, you guys see the one on Highway uh, uh, Highway 212 is a little place to take a If you're in the driver's seat, you know, but you know, the highest members that are God's not co pilot, if you're in the driver's seat, you need to move. Because if, if God's your co pilot, you're in trouble. He needs to be flying, and we need to be willing. So, submitting to God. In doing that, we're going to look at the contrast of two people in the Bible that we Look at the responses to God that help us know what it means to submit to God and walk into his humility, surrendering to him, walking away from pride, walking away from doing things that are coming away. And as I stated last week, there are definitive consequences to both walking in humility and walking in pride. The Bible lists them. Remember in Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy, I'm not trying to get that out. You have the, the blessings and curses of, of following God or not, and it's just, it, it, it's just life of two steps. And, and literally, it was if you choose life, it was to follow God in his ways, to choose death, is to go your own way when you walk out. It's a list of choosing death of choosing life. And again, that's what the prophets, and that's what Jesus Jesus called it. God is a problem so we're going to be looking at two people and the context of their lives. 
before we get to that, I'm going to make a couple passages um, again, key passages. And please you pray these passages over you. Um, these can be great passages to write down, to memorize, to uh, play out in your devotional time. Paul writes in Philippians, I said this last week, and we're going to find that Philippians 2 and 3 is going to be something that's going to be
to God. Jesus is telling this parable. Again, this this whole thing the Lord Jesus Christ that comes in the community of the church. Jesus tells a couple of parables, but one in particular, Luke 18, I've mentioned this before, but it goes with me in here. Jesus tells a story about two men that come to the of the poor. A lot of you are familiar with this concept, Luke 18. He said there's this wicked tax collector. Tax collectors were not popular people. I said I'm not much popular. They might not much attendance for them. Back then, they were really, really bad. If you understand that the tax collector, they would come and they could kind of find loopholes to cheat you. That's what Zacchaeus remembers Zacchaeus. So he would find loopholes to cheat you. And legally, he covered himself and then you could make you pay more than you thought you were going to pay. And the reason why it says that the tax collectors are the face of these defiant tax collectors, you need to understand that it's more than just cheating and letting you back in. But these tax collectors look for the Roman government who had trusted you. The Romans were some of the most wicked people on the planet. They would know if you, if you went up to do the Roman government, they would make a spectacle out of you. That's why they knew how to torture and kill people and make you wish that you were dead. That's the crucifixion of the cross of Jesus, the brutality of that the Romans confessed. They said, you're a tax collector. And it's feeding you and it's bad enough to get to the Romans. And then the Romans just have left a hatred toward tax collectors. And so Jesus has two men going to the temple to pray. One is a tax collector, the other is a Pharisee, a religious guy of the day. Jesus, remember, he rebuked the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, more than he did sin. Because they had this self-righteous religious attitude. They learned to follow rules, follow religious laws, but their hearts were far away from God. And so we can, we can go through religious motions and actually do religious moral things, and the heart actually can be far from God. And that's why the even the pride of being religious instead of going back to help me. And Jesus says, these two guys walk into the temple, and then the the, 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 the Pharisee is standing there, and he begins to pray. And, and this prayer is actually laughable. You can see it. He's, he's sitting there getting God to the rest of them. God, thank you. God, thank you. And all the most people do is just see the crowd. Thank you that I'm fast twice for you a week. Thank you that I did. Thank you that you know, like, what are you, what are you here for? You're telling me how often you are. So he's always resonant. Well Basically, he's, but you can see why he's in the temple. There's probably something in him that doesn't really, really put it right there. And he's almost trying to justify himself to feel good because he doesn't really respect what I say and, and fast and I go to the poor and doesn't that make me awesome, God? Thank you. And then he goes even to the point where this guy who's a tax collector and he goes, Thank you to him and I'm not If you make the effort for him and you're feeling good, God, you're not next to him. If you're better than the person next to you, you might need to go ahead and speak and think about things that are going to so thank you that I'm not like him. I'm not a child, at least I'm not a tax worker. And we can get into the comparison and we can categorize them, or at least I don't do the big stuff. It's just maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a little greedy, but at least I'm not, at least I'm not murdered, right? And God, 
They both responded to God in different ways. And they blew up their sins. God was the way of pride, and David chose humility. God lifted up David in honor, and they opposed Saul in his throne. So we're going to, I'm going to look at a little bit of their stories. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read the entire text. I'm just going to tell you the story and then we'll look at a few scriptures that, um, that kind of talk about their different responses. So in first story of him, God comes up, comes to him, the first king of Israel, God gives him that, again, the promise that you follow God and you will continue to come in one. So he's going along and at first he's having great success. God giving him military success. However, first thing I've seen in the his first major blunder. Israel is in one military conflict, and Samuel's prophet said, he must have done a little free. But he tells Saul this, he says, I want you to go to the city of Gilgal, right? And I want you to wait for me. And when I get there in seven days, I'll be there seven days. I'm being there, and when I get there, I'll offer the sacrifice back in those days. Okay, when they would offer sacrifices, if you guys are unfamiliar with that, they would offer sacrifices to the Lord, and that was, that was a part of their worship. And so animals, you know, because of sin, animals would die, and they would offer these sacrifices to the Lord, but only the priests could make them sacrifice. No one else could. There's a specific order in the way that God told the people to do it. Only the priests can offer the sacrifice. But it's a part of their worship. And so Paul is that the next sacrifice is to let us have a lot of time to the Lord, right? Because Jesus is going to pay them to the sacrifice. When they would, when they would kill lambs and in the life, they would have to go out and come to his animals to sacrifice. When Jesus came, he was called the, the lamb that was slain. The whole lamb that was fixed over the place and told when he knew and sacrifice to you. But not in your testament, this is the Lord is going to be. So Samuel tells Saul to wait, and in seven days I'll do this. So there is no interpretation, but there's a lot going on. So day one, day two, day three, day four, go by, day five, day six. And, 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 and Saul later on said the, the men were getting fearful. With, with me, you know, because they, they understood that we worship God and God helped you in your military battle. So day seven, he hit. Samuel's not around yet, so they, they, they said he was so strong, but if he do, he out of fear and out of compulsion, he goes and he makes the sacrifice. Well, how many know that sometimes God is not really very moved? We can all say amen to that. But he's never late. So as Saul is making the sacrifice, he walks up to Samuel. Samuel rebukes him, what are you doing? You're not, you're not, by God, you're not, by God, and I believe, standing there, you're not supposed to be doing it. And here's what Saul says, he said, I felt compelled. The men were responding, and then fear, they were about to start going home, and I got afraid, and they still had a compulsion, and I was compelled, but he said, I was compelled to do it. Wrong reason for doing anything. How many times when we think that maybe God isn't doing what we think He's doing, we feel compelled to take the lives of our own hands? Have you been there? I'm the only one who knows. We can all be guilty. His problems can be off topic. 
Maybe different circumstances, maybe it looks differently, but sometimes we get in fear and we respond in fear, so we take the matter into our own hands and say, be there. And so it was maybe late in the day, and I said, I'm going to get a little bit of a and said, oh no, I'll make a sacrifice and he goes up. It's to stand over you for me. And Samuel says, you keep this up and I've been telling him to be for you. We act in our lives and fear to talk and just believe it and what is he saying? Did God really say that? Remember, it goes back to the garden. Samuel said, wait. I'm excited that I'll be there. And then all of a sudden, fear. Did he really mean that? Did he really, did he really say that? He said, then he takes my hands and goes after him. Paul's second problem was to destroy that pride. In first thing of 15, God had told Saul to destroy the Amalekites, the enemy of Israel, destroy everything, the animals, um, everything. And so, Samuel comes to confront him because he had not destroyed them. He kept some of the cows and the sheep and he kept the Amalekites being alive. So he comes to confront him. And he's looking for him, and here's what it says. You can read the first name of 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 the first if you are building a monument to yourself, you got some Okay, you're building a monument that looks like you. Then we have this third problem. 
he finally says, okay, okay, I promise, I, I blew it. I blew it. You understand that maybe it was wrong. Now, will you go with me, Samuel, and now will you honor me in front of the people? You can read it. It's not in front of Jeff. It's just super strange and Okay, 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 okay. And sometimes we need only get busted with really sorry. But our heart is not really truly repentant. Okay, okay, I do. I understand. Okay, you, you pointed out this. Now, would you take me to worship as you do? Now, to lay me in front of people. Now, I'll stand there. You're the prophet of God. Everybody listens to you. Now, would you honor me in front of all the people? Have everybody look at me. Have everybody pay attention to me. But, you know, I don't want them to think me off of me. I don't want them to think that I'm you know, maybe a failure. I don't want them to see my sin. I, I want no one to honor me in front of all the people. This great family. That was he's going to walk away and Saul grabs him and he said that he was grabbing so hard that part of his boat tore and it really became like a prophetic picture and he said just as you throw my cloak the cloak is going to be torn from your hands and you can't go that's a pretty powerful moment and you see, I felt compelled and what Saul says this is his response to now again David going to David had been just finished with two. We all deal with sin. It is our response. We can hit the I felt content. I'm looking at speaking to my sin. Where's Saul? He's out building a monument. He said, I know I've sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and for Israel. But coming back to me, say, I mean, look at the Lord your God. I'm nursed to God. God, you know, standing strong. God is me. He removes himself from God. He honored me. That's why Sam says obedience is greater than sacrifice. The commitment is better than offering the commandments. In other words, God wants to fault. He's not about all of the religious things. He's not even about the sacrifice. In fact, Paul says that there was something to that, but more God wants your heart. He wants your heart to be submitted to Him. Do we are we guilty of that at times? I know I am. Partial obedience, not doing what God wants me to do, trying to stay safe and look good. Not wanting people to see maybe some of the issues that I struggle with, and that's why that's why I think a lot of people they maybe don't feel like they belong in the church because they're looking in and they you know everybody seems like they have it all figured out and all these people they like we don't we don't have it all figured out. No matter how good you look and how good you smile look and how pleased you look, we thought that our lives and the church is not good. Sometimes we try to stay there. Sometimes we try to just look the part. Sometimes we're just trying to look the part. You know, it's all you can do. You can do it. 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 You what was the end game for Saul? He lost his kingdom. And not only that, he lived in torment. I'm telling you, being the God of your own life and not submitting to God, you'll live a life of torment. He was in mental anguish. 
It's interesting enough in the Bible when David was serving and David was apart from him at this time, and he was throwing spears at David and he was throwing David for some giants to face. And because he's a mental performer because of pride. And then ultimately he died very tragically and tormented. And so here's the contrast in my sense for this for David. David, again, God chose him. He gave him the same words he gave to Saul. But where do we find David? David, as a young man, we see him out in his father's feet. He's the youngest of seven brothers. You know, most of the time, if they were looking for a king, it would be the oldest one, right? And so he's the youngest of seven brothers. And God tells Samuel, he said, one of the rest of sons is going to be king. He doesn't tell him what's wrong. So Samuel goes to Jesse, one of the boys is going to be king of Israel. And so naturally, they, they bring the oldest and they parade They begin to parade him in front of Samuel. And God says, oh, I've rejected him. And, and he's looking at him. Um, Eliab, or Eliab, or being taken to the oldest one, he looks like a king. He's a hard warrior looking at fights for the military. He, he, he looks king to me. And God says, yes. Don't look at his outward appearance. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the Jesse and all these brothers, six of them, only six were David. They don't even consider David. But Jesse's probably thinking, you can't be kidding me. You go out and watch the feet and all, I pray the other brothers until all these six come in and you stand and say, this. any of these sons are there? Do you have anybody else in here? And they say, yeah, yeah, but it's the youngest one and he's out to take the They bring him in and God says, he's the one. This young kid that doesn't have any military experience watches his policy and he's faithful. He lives a life of humility. He worships when no one's looking. He says that, you know, he, he was a, you know, he said he would play the harp and he would watch his father's feet and, and so he would sit and he would just worship God. He had worshiped God at the very end of heart and that stopped his heart. A whole community that was committed to him. But David blew it. You guys might know the story. When he became king, one day he's out in his balcony, he sees a woman that is very beautiful, she is dating, that's Cuba, the dude, by the stomach. He has left in his heart for the first. This is not just any random woman. This is the wife of your life. This is your life. It's one of his mighty men, one of his closest friends. Every time I read this in the morning, your Bible tells me every time I read this, I'm just going to He has an affair with her. He gets pregnant. He brings her out of home. He has a conspiracy, basically, to try to get him drunk and say, hey, go see with your wife. And he kind of his pregnancy, but your wife has honor. He won't do it. David sends him back to the front of the line. He knows that he never drew out in the lines of when you go into battle and at the end of the battle, everybody back away from your wife and let him down. It's painful. It's awful. And that happens under David. But it's just a promise that it's different. Look at some of the things that we wrote. Psalm 84, here's the king of Israel. Better is one day with you, God, than a thousand in the world. 
Because a lot of times what we do is we are trying to deal with our past and we're trying to remember through life and we're trying to maybe look good and it all becomes this kind of prideful ability and this prideful ability to be God of my own life, to pay myself, to restore myself, to redeem myself, to redeem just to try to look a little better. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to consider, I'll sin against you, cleanse me, redeem me, restore me, because the God is pushing into my heart, I'm going to do that to you. So what about you? Do you need to submit to God in a new way? Today, do you need a way to be able to think of the deepest part to heal you, to restore you, to redeem you? Have you been bound in these things to Dr. Ryan, self-preservation and pride? And if that's so, what today do you need to do? I have an honest response today before the Lord. I'm going to pray for us um, in a moment. And uh, I want to have an invitation to you. I think you have some of our leaders that will be available up here. If you want to share up anything um, today, please feel free to come up here and find one of us. We would be with you with you and honor to pray with you, to pray um, for you, to walk with you, through this and all things. If the Lord's speaking comes to me today, I encourage you to, to do that. And if, if not, again, we're going to stop you. I'm going to come up here. I'm going to be the last place for something we would, we would love to pray for you. If nothing else, I encourage you to search for all of you. What is God speaking? What is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? To you? And how are you going to obey that? Lord, we love you. We are going to today, we're going to pray back to us as a people that we would live to humbly submit to you. Lord, we would reject pride, we would reject the God of our lives. That we would be so honest with you, Lord, that we would not try to hide behind religion and self-righteousness, but try not to hide behind opposition to live by the Lord. That level of honesty, you got the community inside of you, kills you, it's threatened to be a manifestation that you want me to be. So, Lord, we humbly submit to this for you. We want to live for you, we want to love you. I pray that for the things that you do from the age of our together, that each one of us have that personal responsibility to do the business and to obey you, to say, I'm going to leave here walking for some of the days, to live my stage and to move myself on with a stage in the ground today. So today, I'm going to be saying that today I'm going to be preaching, and tomorrow I'm going to be saying this thing, and the next thing I'm going to be preaching to follow it through to see that I'm up to you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.